From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the show. Nice to be chatting once again on a Monday morning. Good to be with you. It's nice to be load-shedded, but not during the show, because that has also happened um, before. So I'm happy that uh, we are currently load-shedding free. And uh, if you are listening to us in the middle of load-shedding, I do apologize. It's not ideal. And we do need to do something about it. I'd actually love to ask you, what do you think about uh, ESCOM and load shedding? How has it been this weekend for you? What have you been up to? Have you been doing candlelight dinners? Are you one of those people who has a generator or inverter or one of those lights that like flashes on when things go? Are you able to get out of your garage? That's happened to me a couple of times because it turns out to open my garage in no electricity environments, you actually need two people, not one. So that's a kind of a... A bit of an impediment if you're trying to get out the house and there's load shedding going on. Uh, I'd love to know how did load shedding affect you? How are you coping with it? Because it is a bit of a, a tough ask just right at the moment. And it is a bit concerning as well that in the middle of summer on a weekend, um, that we're still having load shedding and not just like stage one. We're talking about stage four. So that is, that is quite concerning because what, what happens in the middle of winter at eight o'clock in the evening? Uh, when when suddenly power really is needed by a lot of people uh, in a lot of places, uh, and I think it's it's quite worrying. So I'd, I'd love to know what you think of what is going on in terms of ESCOM, and uh, how have you been coping with it? What have you been doing? Do you have cold meals? Do you like to warm them up on a gas stove? What is it that you do? Uh, and you can always join the conversation. You know, you can always be part of what we do here on the New Blue Review. You can WhatsApp us, 061-895-1019. Or you can SMS us, 34519. Tweet us at chaifem or email us on, on air at chaifem.com. And, uh, yeah, well, we're happy to engage with you on this lovely Monday, Monday morning. Great show lined up. So much to talk about. So much to talk about at this time of year. Uh, of course, it's Purim this week. Everyone is very excited about that. I'm sure we're already seeing people with costumes uh, that uh, are coming up. Uh, I asked somebody who's very PC the other day if I could come as Ilhan Omar uh, for my Purim costume. And I was told decisively that that would not be appropriate. So uh, there goes that particular costume. Never mind, doesn't matter. What have we got on the show today? A whole bunch of interesting things. Uh, we're going to be looking at why is the Pittsburgh Jewish community, why are they raising funds uh, for the, the the mosque in New Zealand that was uh, recently a victim of the tragedy there. So we're going to be uh, looking at that. We're also going to be looking at uh, the story, which I think hasn't gotten as much airtime uh, as perhaps it should have because of the mosque incident, because, of course, uh, the awful terrorist attack that we had in Israel this weekend uh, against two uh, Israelis, or uh, yeah, I think it's two who have now been confirmed dead. And uh, it hasn't been getting, I think, a lot of play because of that. But it's actually that Hamas is uh, actually been shooting at its own people, and they've been dispersing crowds violently because of a range of reasons. So we're going to be looking into that because I think it could be uh, a key and interesting point. Uh, we're going to be looking at cats in Jerusalem. That's right, cats, cats in Jerusalem. Uh, everybody who knows uh, about Jerusalem will know that there are a lot of cats. And apparently the municipality there with the new mayor has been doing a new program to support the cats of Jerusalem. Can't forget the cats, very, very important. Um, uh, and then we're also going to be doing a quick look at the lists. You know, the lists that came out over the weekend of the different political parties, uh, lots of 
discussion about how much youth do they have? Are they represented enough? Uh, the ANC list has been criticized for for having some of the old guard there, people who were involved in state capture, that sort of thing. I'm going to take a slightly different angle because you know, we're going to be looking and seeing who are the Jews who are on the political party list. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at, f- at a few of them uh, for for the run-up to the election and seeing uh, how much political representation the community might have. So that can be interesting. And on the flip side of that discussion, we'll also be looking at uh, the Arab parties in Israel. Uh, there was a discussion this weekend around different lists and who could run in that election. And uh, the Israel Democracy Institute put out quite an interesting article on the Arab voting public in the Israeli election. So... That will be interesting. We'll look at the Jews in South Africa and the Arabs of Israel when it comes to so many elections that are happening just right at the moment. Um, yeah. Talking of uh, political parties, I see that uh, a new one popped up this weekend. Uh, it doesn't have a, a leader. You're not going to be able to vote for a picture of one of them on the ballot. Uh, the, the logo of it is a purple cow. Uh, a purple cow, can you believe that? Uh, apparently the reason that they have a purple cow is because they are called the Capitalist Party of South Africa. Capitalist Party of South Africa, the ZACP, uh, which is kind of a play on the SACP, I think it's kind of clever. Um, and they don't have really have a leader, but they do have 10 people who are running. And the reason I mention it is one of them, uh, is Kantham Pillay, who if I'm not mistaken, uh, he, he used to head up YFM, which is a youth, uh, a youth radio station. And I think he was quite involved actually in the start of YFM in the background, uh, if, if my YFM history serves me correctly. And he's, uh, first up on the list. Uh, there's a couple of other guys. Uh, that you might know if you if you follow it, and it really is uh, looking to be out there as a capitalist party, a free market pa- a party, uh, protecting property rights, uh, protecting guns, all of these sorts of things. And th- and they're saying that they want to get ten seats in the parliament so that they can sit on different committees that have to do with economic policy and put a bit of stick about. So uh, it's interesting. I just thought of a new party. Uh, that is that is on the block. I think a lot of people are considering their votes at this time of the year. Uh, it's just seven, eight weeks to go before the elections. So there's a lot of electioneering. We've got a lot of these small parties. And this one, I think, is quite different. Um, and so I thought I would mention it. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to know if that kind of a party were to talk to you. Are you uh, a solid voter on your p- particular political party? Are you considering moving home? Do you feel like you don't have a political party that represents your interests? Uh, I'd love to know because I think last I saw like something like 283 political parties that are running in the election this year. It's kind of quite a lot. Uh, so, yeah, interesting to see what it is that uh, that will actually end up in our parliament. Uh, you know, we could have Khadi Mutsuneng if enough people vote for him. Yeah, so that's going on on that side. By the way, if you've been following on Twitter, uh, Big Daddy Liberty, Big Daddy Liberty, he's a, a big uh, Twitter celeb, and I see that he's recently gone to Israel, and he's been tweeting all sorts of things around his experiences there. Uh, everything from going to Mitzperamon, which of course is the big crater down in the south of Israel, um, to he to to dealing with uh, being in Tel Aviv over the rocket attacks that came in last week, uh, so he was kind of around for that, uh, and he's just been tweeting, uh, just literally going and walking around in a mall in Tel Aviv uh, as well. So he's all over the place, 
and uh, is a bit of an activist Twitterist, and he's been all over the place in in Israel tweeting and looking and 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 the replies have been quite interesting. You know, you've had a lot of people saying, "Oh, that's very interesting. The food looks so nice in Israel." Uh, a couple of haters have been coming up. Uh, all all quite interesting responses. So, I'd be, uh, you know, I'd love to see uh, what you think. Uh, of Big Daddy's engagement in Israel. If you follow him on Twitter, uh, if you have been following that, uh, I think that that's also quite fascinating. So, yeah, that's what's been going on in my world and your world uh, at the moment, and that's what we're going to be talking about on the show again. 0618951019, that's your WhatsApp line, uh, your SMS 934519. We're going to take a break, take some music, and when we get back, we'll be talking a little bit about the Pittsburgh community. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Indeed it is, 101.9 Chai FM, I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. Hope you're doing well uh, today, and thank you for listening to the show. I see we have some messages coming in. Uh, Avi sent me something uh, on my request to find out what has been going on your side with ESCOM. Uh, Avi's saying that there's been three blackouts since Friday uh, in the Bryanston, Lone Hill, Fourways area, uh, a total of 13 hours and 30 minutes. Oh, that's... Uh, doesn't sound very good, Avi. I'm not going to lie to you. I uh, hope you were able to find a way to uh, effectively deal with that. Uh, I, has anybody, unfortunately, bettered that record? 13 hours and 30 minutes. Is, is is that something which you can better or worsen? I don't know. Let us know. Uh, my condolences to you, Avi. I apologize for, for that and uh, for all the... Uh, People have been hit hard by load shedding. By the way, if you weren't sure about that, that was Idan uh, um, uh, Reichel, as, as always, because if you, it's a good song, then it's, of course it's Idan Reichel, uh, just in case you were, you were concerned. Uh, Nat has sent in a message as well saying, Hi, just tuned in. What is the name of the party that wants 10 seats? Uh, Nat, they are called the Capitalist Party of South Africa. You'll find them on the ballot under ZACP, and they have a... Logo of a purple cow. Apparently the cow, uh, they chose it because they said in Africa cows are a symbol of wealth and they like to see a bull run on the markets because they're capitalists and, um, who could forget a purple cow? So, I mean, you know, can't argue with the last part. Uh, so yeah, there we go. If you'd be interested, you can go check out what they have to say around that issue uh, and uh, if you could vote for capitalists for parliament uh, do you think that that's, that's a possibility it's something that you could do I'd love to hear uh, your views on the matter now uh, moving over uh, to uh, one of our first items on the list of stuff to talk about today uh, the Jewish community of Pittsburgh is going to be raising funds they've opened a fund for the Muslim communities of uh, New Zealand after this terrible shooting that happened. And I have to say, I, I mean, I was listening to Howard this morning uh, around uh, what was going on uh, in terms of this issue. And, and I also got caught by that, that, that video going around because I saw, um, uh, you know, I saw, I saw it and I thought it was a video game uh, and it wasn't and it was real and it was quite, uh, quite horrific. Uh, and of course, not so long ago, we had our own issue uh, with this when 
uh, by our own, I mean, in, in, in the Jewish community, this, this became a problem. Uh, when 11 people at a synagogue in Pittsburgh uh, were killed by a similar sort of neo-Nazi kind of a guy. And uh, in the wake of that, obviously, people were uh, very upset and there was a lot of mourning and it was quite a traumatic experience. Uh, but one of the sort of positives or the sort of good things, if you like, that came out of it was that there was a, a Muslim man in the United States uh, who decided that he was not going to just sit idly by. And so uh, they started raising money. He started raising money uh, for the victims of of the Pittsburgh massacre in America uh, after the shooting at the Tree of Life synagogue. Uh, and in the end, uh, a crowdfunding campaign called Muslims Unite for Pittsburgh Synagogue raised more than $200,000 uh, to help the victims of the shooting. Uh, and I think it, it definitely was something which a lot of people noticed uh, and and uh, it didn't go um, under the radar. And I think a lot of people were uh, appreciative of the support that, uh, the, that the Pittsburgh Synagogue got from uh, the surrounding Muslim communities there in Pittsburgh and and in uh, America, and now I see that the same Pittsburgh community uh, has started a fund uh, for the victims of the New Zealand massacre. And uh, the chairman of the board, Meryl Azwan, uh, had the following to say: "She said, unfortunately, we're all f- too familiar uh, with the devastating effects of a mass shooting." On a faith community And we are filled with grief Over the senseless act of hate um, May those who were injured Heal quickly and fully And may the memories of the victims Be forever a blessing And I really thought it was an interesting Case because you know You often see uh, interfaith Stuff happening And people are a little bit I think sometimes Skeptical or uh, maybe cynical of these sorts of things. Why are these people uh, talking to one another? Because we know that they're going to fight afterwards. As soon as something blows up in the Middle East, then everyone's going to be at one another's throat. So really, what difference does it make? Um, and often, you know, it's about people putting their money where their mouths are. And and this guy, he, he in America, this Muslim guy, he helped to start this fund, and now you know there's been a reciprocation, and and I do think that it matters. You know, uh, it's not as if we always have a good relationship as the Jewish community here with the Muslim community as a whole. I think uh, individually, often you'll find people uh, have great uh, Muslim colleagues or great Jewish colleagues. Um, or, you know, they, they get together in moments of crisis, but, you know, at a communal level, often there are these, um, of, often these tensions, particularly when things in Israel are, are, are going, um, are going bad. And, and I think that it, it is important when you have these sorts of moments, when there is an opportunity, uh, to, to show some solidarity, uh, with another community, even where there might be tensions. Uh, that that the, you take these opportunities to do so. So I think uh, it's an important moment, an important uh, opportunity that they've taken, and I think it's uh, I think it's really good, uh, and I hope that the money will be able to go to help the victims uh, in the best way possible, and that you know that they'll be able to uh, be supported for uh, for what they're having to go through now uh, at the moment. So well done to the to the people of Pittsburgh uh, for actually. 
putting their hands in their pockets and showing that, uh, you know, that although particularly on this issue there might be differences, um, or, or rather than on other issues whilst there might be, um, might be differences, that, that actually in terms of the far right and these neo-Nazis that are all over the place all the time, that, that we actually have more in common and that there is, uh, work to be done between uh, the Muslim and Jewish communities to actually, you know, help one another out and, and stand against this sort of thing uh, and take opportunities to stand together and where there are com- commonalities to, to do that. Actually reminds me, uh, and I think someone should actually write more of a book on this. Actually must go look it up again. Uh, you know, in the 30s in Johannesburg and in Cape Town, there was this rise of of fascism and and sort of, not Nazism in, in South Africa per se, but sort of a variety of it, a sort of gray shirts fascism that was going around. And I, and I found this fascinating story the other day going through one of the historical journals uh, about this radical feminist Muslim woman uh, who joined in a street brawl uh, with Jews uh, in Cape Town against a, a group of, of fascists. That were that were patrolling somewhere in Cape Town. I thought, oh, you know, that's interesting. You don't, you don't, you wouldn't think of that today, and you wouldn't see that today. So I think that that uh, is a very was an interesting thing, and I don't think we need to go around beating up uh, people who are fascists. I think we can beat them with ideas and and strong public shows of solidarity. Um, I don't know if ever, anyone's been watching Egg Boy uh, <laughs> on on Twitter. This is this guy um, after the the Muslim. Mosque shooting, uh, a senator in Australia basically blamed the victims for, for having had this happen. Uh, and because of this, uh, there's a little kid, he's 17 years old, he threw an egg at the senator and nearly got punched in the face for his trouble. So, uh, yeah, uh, he was doing his bit for civil action. Not sure if it's effective or not. It was certainly funny to watch. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just thought it was an interesting example and something, uh, we should be taking note of because, uh, we all too often get lost in, uh, the hurly burly of all of this. Uh, I see somebody else has sent us in a message, uh, around the great ESCOM load shed of, uh, this weekend. Uh, Mike saying that Saturday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and Sunday for four hours. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Well, Mike, I can definitely say that you were enjoying Shabbat this weekend because you certainly were not using any electricity. It's very, very hectic. Uh, tell us your ESCOM stories. We'd love to hear about them. 061-895-1019. Also, if you have something that's funny that's happened because of load shedding. Did you walk into the dog by mistake? Uh, did you try and cook something that wasn't there? Did you grab something? I want to I wanna be a bit more lighthearted about, um, about ESCOM because otherwise... Uh, you know, we're all going to be in the dark about it, if you know what I mean. Anyway, we're going to take some more music, a bit of a break, and then when we come back, we're going to be looking at uh, Hamas uh, and what's going on with them. The best part of your day, at the heart of your community, all the talk, all the music, all the news, High FM. New review here. I'm Benji Shulman. Welcome back to the show. Uh, just on the topic of ESCOM this morning, uh, Craig very helpfully pointed me out the ESCOM to push app, uh, which helps tell when load shedding is. So you can download that. Incidentally, the Sandringham area up for load shedding between 12 and half past four today. So, uh, if you're going to be going out or, or staying in, just make sure that, uh, 
that that you are covered for that. And it's not a joke, some of this, eh? Um, I saw a horrifying Facebook post from a friend of mine last night where their two-year-old daughter uh, was was not breathing and the nebulizer wasn't working because of load shedding, uh, and so they had to rush her to the hospital. So uh, I hope that they are are doing much better because that looks like an awful thing to happen to any parent, um, and I think it really does affect particularly poor communities uh, very very badly uh, when it comes to uh, you know not having electricity, which is a standard thing. So uh, yeah. Anyway, um, any anything you want to talk about on Eskom where we're happy to uh, discuss it. Uh, moving on, as I said, to the issue of Hamas, which I don't think has gotten necessarily the attention it has deserved, because under ordinary circumstances it would probably be a really, really big deal. Uh, and and I think just because the world is so uh, saturated with news right at the moment, it hasn't been getting it. Um, the, there have been protests in the Gaza Strip. Uh, not against Israel, uh, but actually against Hamas. And it turns out that most of the protests are not political in nature, but it seems as though ordinary Gazans are a little bit, um, uh, a, a little bit fed up with the, the status quo in, in the Strip, particularly in regards to the economic situation. And so they've been protesting uh, Hamas's leadership, uh, and Hamas has cracked down pretty severely. Apparently, they sur- arrested around seven uh, Palestinian journalists for inciting hatred and all sorts of things, and they've been clearing the crowds with guns um, and, and, and live ammo and all sorts of things. And and this uh, has been uh, has been going on this very weekend in the process of having these rockets being fired and Israel retaliating uh, against positions and all that kind of thing. And it's a very interesting situation, especially with an election coming up in Israel. Uh, you know, having uh, Hamas being unstable uh, turns out to be quite a serious thing for the Israelis to deal with because as much as they are an enemy uh, and the Israelis don't talk to them, there's also obviously a uh, some kind of engagement, I mean, uh, with the, the border authorities where if you go down to the Gaza Strip, you know, every single day Israel is sending in food aid, sending in different kinds of aid, and that has to be coordinated either with the UN or with different officials or whoever it is. And it, uh, you know, it's very, uh, a very complicated story and, and something which has to be dealt with quite delicately. Now, all of a sudden, the people who are ruling the Strip, Hamas, are having this problem with a lot of popular, um, Dissent against their rule. Uh, of course, uh, Hamas is not really a, diplo- a diplomatic, a, di- a democratic organization. Uh, they had one election, uh, and uh, I always think that the measure of a, a democracy is not if you can have an election. It's can you have another one, and another one, and can you lose power? And Hamas, of course, has been not that interested. Uh, it operates more as a theocracy, uh, and it's quite apparently happy to show this off by dispersing its own people over this and uh, yeah it's it's an interesting scenario where where this happens and um we'll have to see you know what the what actually happens uh in this regard and what uh, is is the final outcome but it could be that this might be uh, a crack in 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 some of the um in some of the war between Israel and Hamas 
you know, what happens next, who knows? Um, because it's not only Hamas that runs the Gaza Strip, right? It's, there is, um, Islamic Jihad. There's a whole bunch of other, uh, groups, which in some ways are even worse, if you can believe it, than Hamas. So, you know, it's, uh, interesting to see where that will be going. And I definitely think we need to be flagging it and watching it, uh, because that is, uh, going to be a fairly big issue, uh, when it comes to, uh, yeah, when it comes to these issues, um, watching the strip and, you know, what Hamas does makes, makes a big difference. So, yeah. Um, I just thought we would bring that to your attention. If you had missed that, we're going to take a short break. Uh, and then when we come back, uh, I'm going to be talking about, uh, talk about cats. Cats in Jerusalem. Can't go wrong with that. To Coffee Addicts, I'm Adila, but you know me as Shmuel from Jersey Blue. Are you hungry? I know we are to serve you. All our grab and go is made daily from the best quality fresh ingredients for you to enjoy. Josie Blue is very focused on giving you the continuous coffee experience at 17 Northfield Avenue, Glen Hazel. See you there. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. Blue, new Blue Review here. I'm Benji Shulman. How are you doing out there? Uh, I hope you're enjoying our show on this Monday morning. Now, let me tell you a story. I remember once upon a time that there was this young ANC Youth League uh, politician, uh, and he and he um, he went to Israel and he was busy going there and and sort of tweeting what he was seeing and having a discussion with people on Twitter. Uh, and I suppose because he was an ANC Youth League politician, somebody tweeted him and asked, "Are there? Is it true that there are black people in Israel?" This was a, a genuine question that this person on Twitter wanted to know. Uh, and so he replied, yes, I have met some black Jews, but there aren't as many black Jews as there are stray cats. Uh, and of course, what he was alluding to there is that the fact is whenever you go in Jerusalem and also in Tel Aviv, you will find everywhere these stray cats that are uh, just all over the place uh, and that are uh, that you just see them everywhere. Uh, I don't quite know why Jerusalem has so many cat, stray cats, but they do. Uh, and and they are everywhere. And, and I think Jerusalemites themselves are actually kind of into um, kind of into their cats uh, in some way. And the cat population of Jerusalem has recently had to deal with a new uh, and difficult problem. Uh, and that problem is that the garbage tins of of Jerusalem are now going underground. They're they're putting them underground for sanitation reasons to make it easier for collection. Uh, some of these big buildings that you now see in Jerusalem have like a a garbage chute where you sort of throw the garbage down the chute and it all flows down in a giant whoopee slide basically uh, into the basement. And then from there you have a truck that comes and will sort of suck up all of the things out of the ground. And so obviously not having rubbish lying around in the street uh, means that people are not uh, subject to less rats uh, and all the sort of uh, things, just more hygienic and a more effective, uh, cheaper way of doing it. The problem is for the stray cats of Jerusalem that they now have one less source of food because obviously if you're a stray cat, you can eat directly from the bins uh, if there's meat in there or something. And, of course, it attracts rats, so you can eat the rats. And so these bins were a source of food for the stray cats. And the people of Jerusalem uh, were getting a little bit upset that the stray cats would no longer have uh, any food. And so now the city of Jerusalem is spending 
on cat food dispensaries so that the stray cats of Jerusalem uh, should have a uh, a place to eat. And they've also joined forces with the city's local cat brigade uh, who likes to feed the cats on their own dime uh, and, and are working with them to see how... Um, how uh how they can feed the cats and uh that you know what the, can they do to to help uh and uh you know a number of people are weighing in on this uh saying actually it was the british that are to blame for bringing the cats uh, they were supposed to control the rats and now they are the rats not the cats uh and so these uh these volunteers in the city are helping to to uh Support the, the 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 feral cats, um, and to support the volunteers who do. But and apparently, uh, they are saying that um, you know this is what they want to do. There are, there's other programs where they try and spay the cats to stop them breeding, um, and and you know to try and, and stop the population because there's too many. Uh, yeah, so that's the vibe. Apparently not everyone is completely happy about it. Uh, Shai Miri, who is a professor of zoology at Tel Aviv University, said killing the cats would be a far more effective measure, uh, but it would be hugely unpopular in Israel. Uh, he said, for them a dead bird is bad, but a, a dead bird is better than a hungry cat. Uh, and, and this zoologist uh, said that the decision uh, to feed the cats would actually exacerbate uh, the problem. Uh, he said the more you feed them, the more of them there will be, and the more of them they'll be hungry. It's just like taking money and burning it. Uh, so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Um, uh, what do you, what do you think of the cats uh, and their policy? Do you think we should just go around killing the cats of Jerusalem? Uh, would that be a better option? 0618951019, uh, 34519. Do we have this problem in South Africa? Uh, I'd like to know as well. Do we have cats? I don't know. We definitely have a rat problem. Right, there's rats that have their own area codes running around this city, uh, and some of them disturbingly around my house. I should say this as well. Anyway, uh, those are the cats of Jerusalem. Short break, and when we're coming back, we're going to be looking at the Jews and the Arabs uh, in different parties um, in 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 South Africa. Connecting our community. Live, the 101.9 High FM. New Blue Review on High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. Welcome back to the program. Uh, and I thought I would just quickly before the end of the show talk about uh, the, the Jews that are running in the South African election and the Arabs that are running in the Israeli election. Uh, just because there's an interesting, uh, I guess, kind of mirror image there. So uh, do we have any Jewish parliamentarians uh, and, and, M- and members of the provincial legislatures? legislatures? The answer is yes, we do. Uh, there are, uh, I think at the moment, four, maybe five in total in the whole country. Um, so there is, in parliament, there's the three Bs, right? So Bergman and Bagram, uh, Darren Bergman and Michael Bagram, uh, they are two. And then apparently Glynis Breitenbach, uh, discovered recently that she had some, some Jewish heritage. So she's sort of honorary on that list as well. Uh, and then of course Jack Bloom up here in Johannesburg. Um, and, and, and of course the list came out this, uh, this week of all the political parties and on them was a couple of new names, uh, 
uh, that I think are, are pretty interesting. And if, and, if, and if I missed any of this, please let me know. Uh, they seem to all be from the DA. I, I couldn't seem to find any from the ANC or certainly not the EFF or, in, or any of the other, other parties. Um, but on the list includes uh, Madeleine Hicklin, uh, who uh, is Jewish and uh, is on the list for Parliament, um, and also Mervyn Sorota. Uh, I think a lot of people will know Mervyn uh, as being a councillor in this area. He also made it uh, onto the list, so that's interesting. So if they, you know, if the if the if the election went in a particular way, uh, there could be maybe five Jews back in Parliament because Bergman Bagram. Um, and, uh, and Breitenbach are all on the, on the list. Uh, Jack Bloom is on the list for Gauteng. Uh, so that is a Jewish, uh, MP. Uh, L, that's for the Gauteng one. And I think I saw a, a couple of other names as well. The, it's just gone straight out of my head. I, I need to look up the list again. Uh, but I definitely saw one or two others, uh, that, that have moved up from like councillor positions. Uh, you know, there, there are a handful of, of Jewish councillors in Johannesburg, uh, and have now moved up, uh, into, uh, the NPL. So maybe if, uh, if the voting goes in a certain direction, uh, we might actually end up with more Jewish MPs, uh, in the parliament than we currently have. So I think that would be very, very interesting. On the other side of the coin, uh, the Arab parties in Israel. So I just thought I would spend a little bit of time on this because we often talk about the fact that, yes, Israel's democracy, yes, it has uh, Arab members of Knesset, but a lot of people, I don't think, know what that means. So basically, if you look at it, and there's a great article, by the way, on this by the Israel Democracy Institute. Uh, they put a whole uh, analysis of the Arab parties uh, up for um, people to read. Basically, it's it's split into four, right? So on the one side, all of the Jewish parties, or the you know, sort of the mainstream Israeli parties on the right and the left, have Arabs uh, that are part of their makeup. These are typically what you would call uh, Arabs who support a Zionist line. So it's Druze uh, and, and and others uh, that serve in the army, etc. Uh, and Likud has, uh, Labour has. Uh, the center parties all have. So there are Arabs that are in the Jewish parties, but then there are sort of parties that are made up of, of Arab speaking, uh, people, uh, that are, are not part of, of those parties. So it's kind of split up, um, into, into three. So you have, um, the communists that have Arab Jew and Arab and Jews in the party, but are not Zionist per se. Then you've got the Islamists, the ones who are sort of like Hamas light. Uh, and then, you have the nationalists. Now, in the last election, this group all ran together, but it turns out that they couldn't uh, work uh, enough together, uh, even though they got a massive amount of the vote um, to to actually win. Uh, so they've now split up, and the sort of communists and the nationalists have got together, and the Islamists um, and and sort of the more extremists. Uh, have gotten together on the other side, uh, and they're going to be be running together uh, to see uh, if they can do it. So there's there's going to be basically a split uh, in the Arab uh, parties. They came third last time, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if if they can do it this time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the final thing will be, but it's worth going to have a look. The Israel Democracy Institute doing this great thing brings us to the end of the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, and, and thank you to everyone else put the show together. Mandy on the production side, Vuzi on the, 
on the, on the recording side and for Craig who pushes all the big red buttons, uh, and who is still doing his New Year's resolutions, which is very impressive. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll chat to you again next week.